Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chickenhead, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? I can barely hear you, this internet's so bad. <laughs> We're in the same room. Yeah, looking at each other during. Imagine that. Um, why are we together on this lovely Thursday afternoon, Dave? Well, because things are changing, and uh, I'm going to leave you to explain the bulk of it, but um, before we get into... A fascinating game of football with lots of things to analyse and say. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Stephen to just have a little explainer. Yeah, so many of you have probably seen uh, the news coming from Reach that there's redundancies being made across the company, uh, of which I'm proposed to be one of them. Um, It's not just me, obviously, I've not been singled out uh, (laughs) or anything like that, but it's, you know, there's, there's. it's a widespread thing across the company there's still a lot to to work out um not least of which would be my exit date um but it is as it stands looking like a the examiner will be stopping coverage of Huddersfield town um and i will no longer be employed by them um nothing is final just yet but that is very much the direction of travel as it stands so i have been given um permission to to do this um but we dave and i are looking at basically continuing the huddersfield town coverage because we recognize that really there isn't a if the examiner goes there isn't really a a neutral voice out there beyond it being bbc radio leeds and it would be a tenth of the yorkshire post Mm. um and no disrespect to either of those organizations who, who both provide fantastic coverage but they aren't for various reasons, because they town are one of several clubs for, for both of them. It's one of three clubs for Radio Leeds, it's one of ten for the Yorkshire Post. So I think Dave and I know that there would be a gap there, both in terms of what the fans are getting and what they need, and also a gap there uh, in for us to, to, to look to fill. Um, we we're looking at, at launching a substack, basically. Uh, so we're, we're going to go freelance. This podcast feed that you're listening to will will probably go, um, that, but we will be continuing the podcast. It will still be the same high-quality podcast you're used to, um, still be the same coverage, the same analysis, um, but it will be on a different service. Um, so the upshot of this is obviously... I'm not going to be in full-time employment to do this anymore. No one will be paying me to do it. So we are, and particularly having spoken to some people on Twitter and spoken to some fans and seen the messages that people have sent, we've decided that we're going to basically paywall um, everything um, or nearly everything, um, which is not out of any sort of greed or anything like that because, frankly, Dave, neither of us are expecting to make a a living out of this full-time. But it is sort of also not going to be possible for us to do it unless we are compensated at least a little bit but we think we've put together we just had lunch and we think we've put together a a quite an attractive offering which would be a weekly podcast or at least weekly ish Uh, i can't guarantee that every international break we'd do too but we would certainly aim to do a weekly podcast um and at least two quality pieces a week which would include the five conclusions if those are things that are of value to you, um, then we we are looking to charge £5 a month um, for you to continue to get that access and to get that level of coverage and that level of analysis. Uh, I think it's important to say it wouldn't be 
the full five pieces a day that you would get from mm-hmm. the examiner again just because financially Dave and I have other uh, work that we would need to, to do on top of this um, and we, we simply just don't have the, the time to work on it full time but we think that a lot of the stuff that you're currently getting from the examiner is things like injury news predicted lineup things like that that really you can you can get yeah. elsewhere the club yeah. website would provide that radio leads would provide that what we want to provide is the analytical stuff on top of that the the podcast uh and fire conclusions and other quality writing yeah and i think the thing is uh, you're still going to get the podcast we will be doing as we go forward we will be doing other bits and bobs but you have to work out you have to understand that this is an evolving situation for me and Steve as well so we're being brutally honest with you we don't want the town coverage to stop because there needs to be a sort of analytical voice in there our circumstances have both changed um Steve's is is quite public mine is is changing um and I'm going to just be honest and say I've done this podcast for four years and never been paid anything for it at any point. So just think of it as buying me a pint at long last. <laughs> but for that £5 a month, you're going to get the podcast every week, two quality pieces from Steve, and there will be other stuff going forward. But as I said, we are literally trying to work out the sort of uh, the for- that you know the format of everything going forward. But that will be your basic structure that is there every week week in week out there will be as i said there will be times when stories are happening and things we need to cover with a little bit more and we will be doing so um we've already discussed that the other thing to stress is that for that five pounds you're getting a very readable experience there's not going to be loads of ads popping up on the screen or anything like that um it's all basically you go on no ads no interruptions dead easy to read which i know for a lot of people can be a bit of a turn off at the moment town articles that load up on a website that's that's new that's weird i can't comment (laughs) i can so yeah but what you're not going to get is just us reporting every transfer rumor us turning every press conference into five pieces uh, and all of this sort of thing we we you're going to get the five conclusions as steve said something else player ratings as well steve yeah looking at potentially running player ratings uh for free just to sort of for people who don't have the, the means to subscribe or people just to, you know, who are in, I know people are interested in player ratings mm. um, and just a way of attracting new people um, to the feed. And that, that may be a consideration for us as well. Um, you know, whether we look to put, uh, we, again, we're still working it all out and a lot of it will depend on what sort of sign up we get. Yeah. Um, but there may you may find some stuff goes into the free feed at a certain point, um, or that we do a podcast every now and then might go into the free yeah. feed. Um, but again, it sort of depends on where we get to with it, how many people sign up, and how viable it is to do all of these things. Yeah, and we have to. We're not, as Steve said, it's not suddenly we decided to charge what equates to about one pound twenty five a week because we're just being greedy is because there are practical things that have to be paid for for us to literally set this up because you know it it has all been backed by reach it's been their equipment it's been their feeds it's been their websites for us to continue this for you you know we've got to pay for various items out of our own pockets to do it so yeah and I think I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it, Steve. I think £5 is extremely reasonable as well. We'd like to think so, yeah. So we've set up a Substack. Um, it's currently set up so that you can subscribe free of charge um, at a certain point. As I say, the reason I've done that and set it up that way is because I don't know when I'm finishing with the examiner, mm-hmm. basically. And I don't want to put a payment screen on there and have people paying to sign up and then going, hang on, it's been two weeks why haven't i had anything um but we are really 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 keen for as many people as possible as many listeners to sign up if you're interested in that service if you go to otbat.substack.com so that's as the initials for utbataria.substack.com you will find a little welcome there but that's a lot of the same stuff that we've just said um and a sign up page most of all we just need your email address at this stage and then when we're ready to launch whether that is um december or january uh, and currently looking like it'll be sooner rather than later but but uh the earliest it might be would be the beginning of december um 
at that point you will be first in line you'll get everything straight to your email and if at that point you want to go ahead and get signed up um, you can do so yeah and just so you know because uh, the other moving part here is we're doing all of this it's a bit of a scramble we don't know all the details steve is just about to go on a very long booked holiday so we're trying to get the pod out get a sign up list out there so that when we come back and steve has more of an idea of kind of exactly when he's going to finish exactly when we can start and everything else we can tell people all the final specifics but if you sign up for that you are kind of ahead of the game you are yeah. already there you're first in line for it so yeah head to otbat <laughs> and again that name might change it's currently branded as utopia that is a brand name that belongs to my current employer um so we're seeing if if there's something that can be done around that if not then it might change but we'll, we'll see if it changes it's only changing to something very similar <laughs> yeah so head there and express your interest right we've done nearly 10 minutes on that day should we get into huddersfield town no thank you we'll see you next week <laughs> bye uh yeah it, it, it was another game where I can't honestly think, looking at the, the players as set, what else I would have done from the first minute, but I think we can talk about how maybe I would have tried to change the game going forward. Yeah, uh, so Hull City won Huddersfield Town nil, and it was a bit of a sickness, 92nd minute. Um, I sort of described the game in my... Um, in my conclusions as being like waiting for Godot because I think we saw that um, we saw Josh Caroma on the bench and we saw obviously Town came up and set up basically as they had against Watford which was a performance we, we praised quite a bit last week um, and it was obvious that they were setting up to play 0-0 and I was sitting there in the press box telling all the locals ah I see what they're doing here they're going to keep it tight for, for 60 minutes 75 minutes until they can get Josh Caroma on and then they might they might open up a bit at that point um, and we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and then Romani Edmunds Green needs to go off after about 70 minutes thereabouts uh, and we're like okay here we go this is mm. the change and on comes Jaheim Headley instead yeah. and nothing against Jaheim Headley um, you know we talked last week and uh, about the role that he played against Watford um, but that was very much a we're going to just stay in this shape stay sitting yeah. in we're not going to go for we're not going to try and cause Hull any problems Hull are a better team than Watford um, and Town were away from home but also Town I think were I think it's fair to say not as good as they were against Watford um, certainly not at getting forward on the counter attack and it's a it's a game that has left us in two minds a little bit Dave I think because we both can understand why Darren Moore has done this, but also completely understand why the fans are frustrated and upset by this result. Yeah, I, I, the problem was, I think we've talked about there being ways to lose before, and uh, they kind of, even though they've not gotten done for four, which they've they've knocked that habit on the head, which is good. <laughs> yes. Losing one nil with a xG of zero point zero seven, it, it's also not the way to lose. I mean. I think the thing is, I think part of the problem is that a lot of the fans will look at what Darren Moore did and think, well, I could set a team up to do that, you know, sit in. They just never... I, I understand it's a personnel thing, but they did have Kieran Harrah, they did have Brahima Diara, they did have one or two options. They could have put Sorber up mm -hmm. top just to try yeah. and stretch in a different part of the game. And they never, they never even tried. And I think... If he'd have gone for it for 15, 20 minutes and lost 1-0 in the 92nd minute, weirdly, I think people's reaction would have been not not fine, but would have been a lot better than being so passive and then still losing 1-0. I, I sort of wonder... <laughs> I did wonder about that and whether people would, in that circumstance, have criticised Darren Moore for, for changing the game, for yeah. changing a plan that was working. So... But, I mean, he said afterwards the reason he didn't use Josh Graham was basically he wasn't fit to play, neither was Kasumu, mm. um, to which you might say, well, why were they on the bench then? But I think I think there is value in having that one to get them back reintegrated into the squad, having been out, particularly Kasumu, who's been out for yeah. a while. But two, also, I think, as a ploy to put a bit of doubt in Liam Rosini's head mm. so that he isn't going, well, they've got nothing from the bench, like like yeah. Watford did, and just being able to throw everything at it, which unfortunately uh, Hull ended up doing anyway because Town was so so passive yeah. and sitting in, they had nothing to lose. But I just think, you know, when you're picking 
Jonathan Hogan, Romani Edmonds Green as your two central midfielders. And again, I got the I got the um predict the the team sheet I should say. And I thought the same as you. I thought it'd be three five two. Saw mm. Thomas playing alongside Huddling and and Wiles is almost as a ten. But Wiles was basically just an out and out right winger. Saw Thomas on the left. We never liked Saw Thomas on the left particularly because I no. think you're removing his biggest weapon, which is his crossing, because um, he has to cut onto his left foot, which is is not as strong. Um, but it was. I can understand why fans would be upset at this complete a lack of ambition, and I think. People would sort of people did accept it against Watford. People we, mm. we sort of were pleasantly surprised last week that the fans were so accepting of the performance against Watford. But I think everyone sort of understood that it was a necessary evil having lost four yeah. 0 and lost four one in the previous two games. I think and I I'm with them on this, I expected to see a little bit more of a coming out of their shells in this game, to be honest. Yeah. It was the it was the general it was the general lack of ambition because I mean Town had two shots, and I I saw I think in the entire game they had I think it was something like four touches in the whole box. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, I don't need to be an analyst or a statistician to tell you that's not enough to win a game of football under unless it's very extraordinary circumstances. And I kind of think that in an away game, you you kind of Hull are a good side. They are a better side than Watford. So I almost feel like you do have a little sort of window to just try and go for it, and if mm. it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think a point would have been... I think if they'd have got a point, we'd be sitting here going, OK, that's fine, that's another point. But I can't, for a second, say Town deserved it. You know, Against Watford, they did deserve it because they played a different way in terms of... They really dug in, and they did actually hurt Watford a little bit yeah. going forward. Yeah. They did, and they they created some space. They created some chances, and importantly, one of the things they did really well against Watford is releasing a little bit of pressure. Just just knowing when to play the right out ball, knowing when to just go long. And they had Carl Hudlin, who we have praised enormously because he was holding up really well, he was winning three kicks. This was a different kind of digging in. This was was sitting in. Yeah, sitting in. This felt like, I mean, it it kind it sounds kind of damning when I say this, but it did feel a little bit like non-league club against champ club in yeah. an FA Cup tie, and that's that's not it's not great. I know it's a personnel thing, but at the same time, I think if you just show a little bit of ambition, it kind of goes a long way with some fans. Not all, not all. Some yeah. would have still been unhappy, but with some. I, th- I think there's something to be said for they did. You know, it was 92nd minute, and if they hold on for five more minutes, then yeah. I think we probably having a very different conversation where we're sitting here saying, well, it wasn't pretty, but they got a point, and it's a good point. Any point away from home is good, particularly against the top half side. But the problem with this approach that they took is that it makes the result absolutely everything because there's no other positives to point to you can't point to anything in this game other than yes okay they've got a bit more defensive solidity but we'd seen that against Watford already Um, they have not taken any kind of forward step in this game there's no real positives to point to um, and they've not got the result out of it either so you're kind of left with nothing else to, to hold on to which is no. again just not a good feeling particularly going into a two week break where fans are going to have to sit on it for two weeks yeah and that's exactly it we are always acutely aware of fans have every right to feel how they want and before we even get into some of the sort of analysis here I think it's worth saying you know I saw the reaction to this and on social media and everywhere else it was it was bad steve i mean i listened mm. to i listened back to uh the radio leads uh phone in after um and yeah it was it was grim because of that lack of ambition <sighs> but the th- the thing is there is a balance to be struck but i just don't think they struck it here because they really didn't lay a glove on them and that that is not what anybody wants to see we've talked about one of the big things the town crowd wants is just to see a little bit of their identity out there and I think if they just see a little bit of their own identity out there they're kind of accepting of other things and that Watford game I think that's what they got I think that's what they saw here it was just it was way too passive and I mean I really felt for Lee's Hellick and Pearson because 
it, it, I wouldn't say it was like the Alamo because Hull aren't as good enough to make it like the Alamo but so many times they were being asked to kind of put their body on the line etc knowing it's just going to come straight back at them yeah. it's just a absolutely thankless task for them I also felt sorry for Silver Thomas who yeah. was constantly being given the ball it's like okay we need to get out of our own half just give it Silver and make him run mm. 50 yards and then he does it and then there's no one there except yeah. Carl Hudlin being marked by four men kind of thing and um, the the analogy I used was it was like watching when you get on your Instagram feed one of those like three professional footballers against 100 kids yeah. um, and it, yeah. it sort of felt like that I, I mean town were I think one of the fundamental issues was the full backs who were you know nominally wing backs in, in a back five but really were playing properly as full backs whether by because they were so pending they just couldn't get forward or whether it was an instruction either way Nakayama and particularly Jackson barely crossed the halfway line yeah. I, put, I put the touch map in the five conclusions um, and they barely crossed the halfway line and that I think the first two minutes it was quite evident okay Town are setting up like they did against Watford so Wiles and Thomas are going to come in and play very close to Kyle Hudlin almost play as two number tens and the, the full fullbacks are going to go outside them and provide the width but because the fullbacks weren't getting forward you ended up with Sorba Thomas and Ben Wiles were basically just standing on the wings um, on a hide into nothing as isolated as Carl Hudlin was mm-hmm. um, and bless him Nakayama did, did try and get forward but you need a whole team to do it and and I think again nothing against Hogg and, and Edmunds Green I think they are a viable it's viable to play them in a midfield together but as part of a three if you're playing them as part of a two yeah. respectfully you're not going to be building very much it's very very conservative it's very very these are our two best defensive midfielders isn't it I, I thought just before we move on from Ben Jackson I thought he was good again yes I do too. think he was good again um, but that it, with the personnel the problem is the creativity problem remains even when they get the personnel back because we're not looking at Jack Rodoni to be like a playmaker he's not he's not like a real sort of passing eight what he does is he gets into spaces that other mm-hmm. people don't but you you kind of want him on the end of things and you can't always start the thing and end the thing yeah and that lack of creativity We've been told Darren Moore is being brought in to play attacking football. It's that lack of creativity and that lack of... Because Sorba, bless him, teams do work out that if you double up on him, there's nothing else there. And, you know, you're exactly right. The times he did make an impact and get through, he's just trying to cross it to one person. And just to clarify, that is four separate people, not four people in an overcoat trying to (laughs) stand next to him. That would be about equivalent now. Yeah. Um... It is. It is just. It does end up looking quite, quite bleak, <laughs> to be honest. I can't think of another word other than that. But it does end up looking quite bleak. And you know, I know we keep saying you've got to get till January. They need some more players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it really was a performance where you kind of didn't learn everything, but you did see the problems laid even barer than perhaps they had been at other points before. Yeah, I think. I, I, this isn't Darren Moore's preferred style I think it's, it needs to be said he he did say afterwards he would prefer to have taken the handbrake off I think he's and we saw this just before It's again it's quite early in a managerial reign to be having deja vu but we said this going into the last international break when they drew 0-0 against Sheffield Wednesday and it was well this was a response to having lost mm. and conceded four goals in the previous game or recently in this case to but then it's like but how much of that is a creation of a, a, a circumstance of his own creation i i think you and i though are both of a mind that and we've sort of been i think quite consistent with this for all we've had criticisms i think it's still very hard to really judge darren moore with the personnel issues they've had and i don't mean necessarily the injury crisis i mean the transfer window and as you touched on a couple of weeks ago, Dave, several years really of, of underinvestment in the squad um, for various reasons. Obviously, you know, I think between the the either side of, of Phil Hodgkinson's um, reign, there has been 
a limitation through COVID, through the ownership situation, through relegation, through all of these things. There has been limitations on the the club and the owners' ability to invest, um, and I think this summer it was not a an issue of willingness so much as it was an issue of um, being able to to yeah. get those deals done um, for for various reasons. That hopefully in the January window it's a, a different ball game for them. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to be—I don't want to sound like I'm blaming Phil Hodgkinson and, and Dean Hoyle for all of the problems because they each had their own issues to contend with over the the past few years. Um, you know, Dean Hoyle came back in sort of against his will. Um, Phil Hodgkinson, we know, had had other um, issues with his businesses, and of course, again, the co- most of his reign was the COVID pandemic. But this is a, a club, whatever mitigation you want to put around it, that has not invested over the past few years and it Mm. is going to take time for the current ownership to put that right I I don't think that necessarily gets them off the hook obviously for for this summer um, because I think even the signings they did get done I think it's quite open that I'm not a great lover of Delano Bergsorg and I don't think you know I don't think you could particularly make a case of Ben Wilde so far either I think he has struggled and continued to struggle in, in this game I think you and I both think he's perhaps not quite fully fit yeah he, he keeps he keeps stepping on the ball and stumbling mm. over the ball and just I don't know I, he looks he looks like he's suffering at the moment mm. I think physically and mentally I yeah. think he looks like he's suffering he looks like a player that in a different squad in different circumstances you'd pull out and say right just go on holiday for the week yeah. town can't do that but, um, but they you, you, they're up against the side again where you look at the subs they bought on Cyrus Christie would certainly be in Huddersfield Town squad if not the first team. Aaron Connolly would certainly be in Huddersfield Town squad if not the first team. Ruben Vinegar, <laughs> Mr. Vinegar, would undoubtedly be. It, uh, and I Why mean, is that I, funny? <laughs> it just is. Uh, I would argue would probably be a starter. You I'm know these are a starter. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the these are the issues, and it's kind of like I said, it looks so bleak because these were without it was it was the chickens no pun intended coming home to roost a little bit you know there really was nothing else to do and I just think it's that classic thing of I think while we're both preaching for patience for Darren Moore and we we kind of are because of the context and the circumstances I think we also totally acknowledge the fact that we have seen nothing new from Darren Moore so yeah everything that has happened today has either been a version of something that's come before it's been a player's individual role where they've either reverted back to doing what they were supposed to be doing anyway Sorber Thomas or they've kind of just been put back into a natural position for them and I think that's what's happened with Ben Jackson because I think he's good at right back Mm -hmm. and I think the problem with Ben Jackson is often it's that balance because he's kind of really good going forward as well it's how do you make the most out of him but he's good in that position we haven't seen anything new tactically no we haven't seen anything sort of innovative or different you know the Watford game was good but like me and you sort of kind of picked a team before the game to start and it was basically the same yeah. team as started because there was nothing else to do. The difference was we didn't know Harrop was unavailable at the time. Yeah. So we come into this game and it's kind of the side we would pick because, you know, I think we both would have had Josh Caroma in the side if he'd been anywhere yeah. near fit for an hour, but he wasn't fit enough to do an hour. But it was kind of the side we would have picked anyway. It was kind of the setup we could have kind yeah. of put them I would have in. gone 3-5-2 as we discussed but yeah but it would it would have been a 3-5-2 that certainly collapsed into a back yeah. five yeah. out of possession anyway so the problem is I think one of the reasons the fans are struggling a bit with Darren Moore is because they haven't seen anything yet yeah. and I do get that I do understand that because we're in the same position we're not sitting here saying we think he's definitely the man to take town forward etc it's just that right now at the moment I kind of find it very difficult to judge him on certain aspects. I can judge him on some. Yeah. Absolutely fine. But there are certain things. I mean, people keep telling me Warnock would have got much more of a tune. He had eight points after eight games. Yeah. 
and he wasn't town weren't singing no. and that final game his final game the draw oh, that they, was awful yeah. yeah they were shambles they were absolute shambles defensively against Stoke. yeah they lost 4-0 to Norwich which so, I still think is the worst performance of the season no <laughs> and don't get us wrong we're not going oh it's all Neil Warnock's fault it, but it was I don't think it was a lot better because no, Neil Warnock no. had the same problems that Darren Moore has had I think Darren Moore has had more problems in that he has uh, had that injury crisis yeah. I think he has also had some self-inflicted issues mm. in some odd selection decisions that you would hope he has learned from that if they'd stuck with Warnock yes if they'd stuck with Warnock they wouldn't have played Tom Edwards against Leeds I no. think that is fair to say if they'd stuck with Warnock you know, I think you probably would have had Ben Wiles playing in a position he was more familiar with, rather than yeah. you know, playing in a number ten. I think there are, there is a an argument about familiarity with the players that mm. because Moore has come in and been unfamiliar, he's had to learn it on the job, uh, which frankly will have cost Town some points. But I don't think it's cost them a load of points. As I say, when you look no. at and and I think you know, I think you can look and say, well, Warnock had a very difficult start to the season, and he did have tough games but I think actually the way that the league table has, has shook out some of the games that looked really really tough yeah. um, for, for Warnock on paper actually when you look at the table now aren't so bad you know um, yeah. Norwich and Stoke and you know um, even Borough at that time they got Borough kind of at exactly the right the time, to play, time. To, to play Middlesbrough so um, you know he had 8 points after 8 we now have 15 points after 16 mm-hmm. it's not a million miles behind so it's not a case of if they'd have stuck with Warnock they'd now be on 24 points with Cardiff and looking at the playoffs and we know we're not stupid we know why Neil Warnock when he left said they should be looking upwards not downwards <laughs> etc and that's because Neil Warnock wants to make Neil Warnock look like Neil Warnock it would be fair to say so but I I do I'm still in the same position I have been really which is I I would stick with it I would really want to see some early transfer activity in yeah. January they the, and the key word there is early it's not just transfer activity they've kind of you know if it's a trolley dash at the end of February and you've got players there that you're bringing in and they've kind of need two three weeks to get up to speed then that means you you yeah. almost haven't got full strength till March that's not good enough they've kind of got to get one or two key players in early so that they're 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 up and running by the end yeah. of January and you know if things are still the same come the end of February me and you I think will yeah will be even in a different place really. yeah it's I think there's other considerations as well like even if I think you and I are probably still undecided on a lot of Darren Moore it's not like you and I are big fans of his yeah. you know who've you know thought it was an amazing appointment you know if you go back and listen to the episode from when he was first appointed you'll hear that we had mixed feelings on his appointment and I think that sort Mm. of remains the case but there's other considerations around you can't just keep sacking managers because at a certain point you know look at Watford everyone laughs and jokes about Watford um, and clubs get a reputation you know Sheffield Wednesday I know are complete you know have other issues shall we say with their owner um, yeah. <laughs> um, trying to, to stay on the right side of, uh, of libel here have other, other issues with their owner but again it's you get a reputation at a certain point if you keep getting rid of managers how many of town had in the last well if they got rid of Darren Moore today it would be six in 18 months not including caretakers which is a lot it is is not I mean that is not the sign of a stable club it's not the sign of a stable squad but the other side of it is that I'm not please don't read too much into this but you can't have a situation where players in the squad are thinking they can just wait out the manager either they've got to get the work done they've got to do it now and unfortunately I think there is a kind of natural proclivity to that when you've had five and 18 months as it is and the other thing we talked about briefly on another pub was you also just got to look at how different those philosophies are you know Danny Schofield to Mark Fotheringham to, well, Carlos Corbran to Danny Schofield to Mark Fotheringham to Neil Warnock to Darren Moore. I mean, it's yeah, the, the, you've got to stick with something at some point. And yeah, I think the other thing here is I'm a little bit once bitten twice shy because I was 
probably Carlos Corbran's fiercest critic at one point mm. and and was openly saying in the paper basically they need to get rid of him and turned out he was alright and the issues were in the squad not with what he was doing and also that second season Carlos had Town were the massive beneficiaries of having a load of players who had already had a year playing his mm. style and who knew what yeah. they were doing and sometimes you do need to stick it out and I think if, if Town really believed in Darren Moore when they appointed him I think they would have anticipated that there was going to be a difficult transition I mm. think maybe they didn't well I think they quite openly didn't expect it to be quite as difficult as this I also no. don't think they would have anticipated the level of injuries that they've had um, but I, again I don't want to make a massive excuse out of that because you know you've got to find a way anyway and, and I think mm. it's you know we're talking about a game where that is less of an excuse here the whole game but I, th- I sort of think he at least needs to get through January and get some of his <laughs> it's a typical thing to say but a proper football man thing but get some of his own players in and I also think there's again there's a bit of a thought experiment here what if Town had sacked Darren Moore at the start of the season and Neil Warnock came in and had mm. this run of form yeah. I think fans would be saying he needs to get his own players in yeah I completely agree I think one of the single biggest differences I said it to you via WhatsApp is that Darren Moore doesn't make you laugh during a press conference mm-hmm. and it, it seems a glib trite comment but I, I honestly believe that I think the problem is that the fans you can still warm to a manager and you can still believe in a manager even through a, a, a bad spell mm-hmm. and I think that you know that I'm kind of looking at it as I've looked at Darren Moore's previous career where he's had difficult moments and where he's had difficult stretches and there is usually a bounce back you know he he does have a bit of a track record here but I think the other side of it is that it's not even a case of kind of getting for me anyway it's not even a case of like kind of getting Darren Moore some some of his players in in January it's kind of they've got to get some players in yeah, but yeah. still yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure Jackson is the answer at right back so I think they've got to look and see if Oli Turton is going to be the answer there I, I've said it before I still think they need that passing creative midfielder yeah. I think they need another winger at the club Yeah. Um, and of course striker yeah I mean they've got, well they've got a couple of loanees there who I think they need to decide if they're going to keep them you know well, Ed- Edwards and Bergsorg well, I think uh, I think everyone knows how we want both of those. <laughs> is there is there a decision to be made? I think we're laughing about it, but I, I, I mean, they know. could, you know, Bergsel could come in and and change our change our minds. I think there's, I think, <laughs> I think you and I differ slightly on this. The reason that I get frustrated with players like Delano Bergsel, as I do to Giannino Bacuna, is there's nothing that drives me up the wall more than a player who clearly has something who has a bit of talent and a skill and an ability to do things and instead of trying to use that skill set to win football games they use it to just basically try and entertain themselves on the pitch and it doesn't matter about anyone else or what the result is or what the effect on the team is Mm. and and people who will not listen to the instructions to do those things and keep it simple sometimes and play mm. for the team that is what drives me up the wall most of it the, the thing is you can have that player Anthony Knockhart drive us to a promotion doing that but the difference is they have to deliver and my <laughs> my issue to go public with it is I've, I've just not even seen that yet <laughs> you know I, I'm just being honest I, I just I, I don't see anything there at the moment um, I would love to be proved wrong but I just see a footballer who even the good stuff so I'm well aware he scored a couple of goals but it they still kind of felt like they were accidents <laughs> so but yeah but our point here is I mean it's a bit early to talking about January transfer window but I think our point is even the signings they did made have, have not come mm. good and and particularly I think you know those attack minded signings Wiles and Bergsorg I think are, are not paying off Josh Corona no. is not in form they I think I almost realised this back I'm sure it's a point lots of people have made already and I'm just very slow and stupid um, make sure you sign up to that substack. <laughs> but um, I think Darren Moore struggles a little bit to know what to do with players who play in those pockets because when I was doing the power rankings mm. I was like oh um, Brahim Diari doesn't seem to know what to do with him and Ben mm. Wiles he doesn't seem to know what to do with him and Josh Caroma he, he doesn't seem to know what mm. to do with him yeah. <laughs> um, and it just 
it feels like and again against Hull we're talking about Huddling being so isolated it sort of feels like if they can get any one of those players playing in those kinds of spaces yeah. um, because Jack Rodoni's not there you know it's 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 fine when Jack Rodoni's there because he's going to do his midfield role and he's going to pop up in those spaces but they don't have anyone who is as good as Jack Rodoni no um, frankly or so they, close yeah so they might need to turn to a specialist to play in that position but I think Darren Moore needs to show us and historically you know if you look at Sheffield Wednesday stats last year they got tons of goals from midfielders from attacking mm. midfielders so it's not like he doesn't know how to use those players but he's not shown it at town yet no and I think the two of those positions so that midfield creator and a winger which I think would make a difference because I just think there's so much weight on Sorba Thomas's shoulders at the moment it's yeah. just so easy to double up on him and sort of nullify that threat Two of those positions are in the championship. They are very popular Premier League low-knee positions. And Town have had some really good success with loaning players in those positions. Aaron Moy, Carol Lighting to an extent, you know. Emil Smith-Rowe. Emil Smith-Rowe. Joseph Hungra came in and got some really important goals. You know, there there are other examples as well. That's the kind of thing that you kind of think, okay, well, you need to get that sorted quickly. Because... My my problem with Darren Morstown more than anything else at the moment is I just think they're very easy to play against. Yeah. And I think one of the criticisms that is quite is levelled with the Warnock comparison, which is inevitable and we do understand it, um, even if we don't like it, but like the Warnock side at the very least would try to be difficult yeah. to play against in most games so I know we had that the, there were bad performances but I don't think he would have done a Watford and then followed it up with yeah. the kind of the same thing against Hull he, uh, would, yeah, have, he, he would have done Watford I think but yeah, yeah he wouldn't have done the, he, would, he have. would have changed the questions well remember last year they, they did have a spell after Burnley and Coventry again we've got an example of it because mm. they lost 4-0 and 4-0 and for a few games, he did go more defensive, Warnock, yeah. and they were sitting in just trying to play on the counter. And then suddenly against Sunderland, he went, right, we're high press now. Brahim yeah. Diara's in at number 10. We're going to go to a high press. And he did that basically just to surprise Sunderland. Hmm. And it worked, so they stuck with it through to basically through to the end of the season. Um, and it kept working. And that's how quickly it can sort of change and I can understand the fans need need a reason to believe that Darren mm. Moore is going to get there at some point he's going to get that that moment where he goes right we're, we're changing the script now and he does something that works and then the momentum mm. is there I think uh, the difficulty is you and I talked about this last week the next two games again are really hard I feel like mm. this season and again not making excuses because this applies to Warnock as much as as more but I think apart from maybe Middlesbrough Town have had a really unfortunate habit of playing teams at the worst possible time yeah. this season because yeah. um, Southampton started very iffy um, the, their defensive record is almost like bottom three that I think mm. they've only conceded two fewer goals than Town this season um, but you know they're fourth because they've they've sort of cracked it now they've settled into the division and, and they're starting to get a bit of momentum and then Away to Sunderland, who are sixth at the moment, and yeah, it's um... the other thing is we're not saying we've got the answers either. <laughs> this is a very difficult situation, so it's not like we're sitting here. It's not like Steve's looking at those games and going, "If they just move so and so," it's these are difficult, difficult fixtures with difficult questions to answer. But it, it's I can't. I'm just repeating myself, but there's a way of losing. Yeah, and I think I think you and I as well are in a weird position. I think there's been there's been moments over the past sort of four and a half years where. You and I have strongly disagreed with the fans on certain things. Uh, I think sort of the reaction to the Cowleys towards the end of their tenure, mm. for instance, is one where we were, yeah, very much you know, so. very at odds with the fans. I think um, there's been times where we've been completely with the fans, as with Fotheringham and, and mm. Schofield, unfortunately. And this is kind of a, a, an unusual one where we're not really sure. Like we can sort mm. of see see every view both sides yeah. of it. Um, but I again, I think my main consideration at this point, even if you're not a big believer in more, I do just keep coming back to if they did change it now. One, who are they going to get yeah. that's going to come to a club that sacks it's that's already sacked two managers this mm. season? Um, two, are they actually going to get? 
any kind of meaningful improvement out of this squad now to take you through to January. And if not, then is it worth just, you know, you might as well at that point stick with Moore and get to January and mm. see if he can do something with with the new signings. You know, I think even if you're not a great believer in him and, 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 and sort of don't particularly like him, I think that has to be a consideration. And the mm. club have to stick with something at some point, you know? Yeah. The, the, one, thing, the one thing I do... <laughs> the one thing I am at odds at is I saw a lot of people saying the club should sack more and go on bended knee back to Warnock. No, no, no. They they really shouldn't. They have to move on from that. And I think I think fans have to move on from that as well because that that is not the answer here. And the other thing is, like last season was a real. I mean, we described it as a miracle on here, and it really kind of was. You know, they. <laughs> It was a set of circumstances that kind sort of came together that could happen another nine times out of ten and town would be down, you know, they'd be playing League One football now. So they've gotta they've gotta try and plan. They've gotta try and move on with something. They've gotta try and have a different viewpoint because you can't just keep returning to the well. And as I said, it wasn't like they were like pulling up a load of trees under Warnock and knocking around the playoffs. They were struggling. So, yeah, it, it's difficult. I do understand the reaction. I do think that there are some very serious questions can be asked in Moore's tenure, but I also think there are some very serious context and circumstances that you have to consider. But we do acknowledge, like... Yeah, the this pressure is, is is there now. This is just our view, really. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. you know, this is again. Sometimes we'll sit here and get on our pulpit and say, "No, you are wrong," but, mm. but I don't think I was quite doing that at the moment. But yeah, I think I would err on the side of patience. I think the other thing, obviously, context is everything. I know they got the same number of points as they had this time last year, but last you know, last year I think there were five bad teams in the division, mm. like really bad teams in the division, and Town were definitely one of them. This season there are three really bad teams in this division and they're all below town at the moment. Yeah. It's not going to last forever if town keep getting no. results they do. No. But they're all two games away from town at least, um, even if town were, t- were to lose. Um, and I think that is that does play into how town have to think about these things. Like The fact mm. that they aren't in that immediate do-do-do yeah. does does change things a bit even if even if things aren't great in their own shop yeah I think the problem is if they do fall into it me and you are both the opinion that a different it's, conversation at that point it's yeah. very and it's it's difficult then to drag themselves out of it so yeah I I, I just think I kind of think that we can't write off the next two games they have to get something from one of them yeah. there's absolutely no doubt even, about even that even just a point yeah it feels it feels a huge ask but they kind of have to and unfortunately that's a situation of their kind of their own making as yeah. well because say they go and lose both those games then I don't think the pressure changes at all they have to then go and actually get a couple of wins it's not even about just getting yeah. something they have to get a couple of wins well the, 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 that's the thing after the after Southampton and Sunderland they're into a run where it's you would expect them to win their home games really I've mm. put the points target up um, on the website and they are playing apart from Preston who are fifth but again Preston could have and Preston have only just come off a wobble mm. and they've come off that wobble by beating um, uh, Blackburn and was it QPR yeah so they could easily drop off again and become one of those mid-table clubs by the time town play them and the rest of the teams they're playing are all 10th, 11th, 12th, mm. 13th, 14th, 15th in the table. So they're, they're teams that you would expect them to get three points at home and go for a point away from home. Mm. And they need to, to get that. I think if through to the new year, they've got nine games, I think. And I think a point per game is probably their par. But obviously, ideally, you want them to exceed that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been another cheery one. Yeah. <laughs> and a point per game is very low for us to say. We normally yeah. say four, four points from every three. But again I think just circumstances being what they are and the fact that they've got no momentum whatsoever mm. coming out of this break and are likely to struggle to gain that momentum with the games that they've got I think that's kind of realistic but as long as those bottom three continue to be dreadful 
A yeah. game would probably be fine for them, actually. I think uh, the kind of where I am with it is I think after the Southampton game, I think after that one, every point they drop at home is a point they've got to get away. Yeah. So if you get, if you keep going on losing home games at that point, that really is yeah. creating a rod for your own back. Now yeah. I know, like we saw last season, teams are capable of putting together a really good run but it, it's the the championship is like in a permanent state of flux and I think this season I think the quality of the championship was down last season I think the quality is still not great but I think besides the three relegated teams you have probably two or three more who I would say are good but then you have a clutch who I wouldn't say are kind of on a par with town I'd say they're a notch above yeah. and it's having to go to their place in the second half of the season and win games. That's difficult. That's tricky. So the pressure is real and the pressure is kind of understandable. And um, yeah, I, but I just think there was a real emotional outpouring after that game against Hull, a yes. real emotional outpouring. And I do get it because when you see when you see that performance and you get nothing from it and you don't feel like they represent yourself on the pitch and all of these other yeah. things these sort of I'm slightly talking in cliches but they're true I, I, com- I do completely it, it, get it it does overshadow the fact that going into that game you probably would have said well I would expect Hull to win that game yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's it It's Darren Moore is, if he's going to lose the next two they've got to do it bloody in Southampton's nose a bit they've they've got to lay a glove on them you know we can't have another 180 minutes of football like we've had against Watford and had against Hull in yeah. the next two and yeah. that regardless of personnel regardless of context regardless of circumstances that's just unfortunately the position they're in right at this minute yeah my media recommendation is to go to otbot.substack.com, Dave, and, and uh, put your email address into the, the subscribe field and, and hit subscribe. I don't know about you. Uh, my recommendation is a substack that I've come across about Huddersfield Town. Uh, it's, what is the, like, I can't uh, remember it off the top uh, of my otbot.substack.com. That's as it, the initials for utabiateria.substack.com. That's it. As I said, we are still, there are still details we need to work out, but you need to understand you kind of found out just after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, there is nothing really on there at the moment other than no. Welcome Post because I can't contractually put anything on there. And you're moment. not, the other thing to make clear, you're not going to get charged anything until. To subscribe, yeah. Uh, to subscribe, you're not going to get charged anything until there is content going up that we're putting up there. Yeah, so. and, and you will, you know, you're not on the hook to have to pay anything on either. What will happen is you are basically expressing interest to say when we launch, you will get an email saying, right, we're up and running, and you will then have the option to subscribe at a paid level uh, if that's what you want to do. So we have nothing to lose at the moment from doing that at all. We will tweet those links as well. I know we have have a... Uh, a fairly hefty chunk of Twitter followers. We can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think we'd get away with doing it from the Examiner accounts. <laughs> but we will. Our personal accounts are at David Hartrick, which is H A R T R I C K, and at Stephen Chicken. That's Stephen with a V. Thank you for joining us, and thank you in advance to everyone who signs up. And massive thank you as well to everyone who sent really nice supportive messages to yeah. me already. Really genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, it, it's been. It's been horrible, but it's also been lovely because I got some reflected glory. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice, but also very scary. Yeah, (sighs) lovely. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.